Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, April 3rd, 2022. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater and the moderator for this morning. The share ID numbers for Friday, April 1st, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 18,766. That's one eight seven six six. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 18,767. That's one eight seven six seven. This morning. A Vision for You presents Identifying In, Maybe This Will Work for Me. All of us have come to Overeaters Anonymous as a result of the suffering, frustration, and despair we experienced in our disease of compulsive overeating. We come to OA looking for a solution which will free us from the bondage of our affliction. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors by working the 12 steps. If you have tried to achieve a healthy body weight through many methods, only to fail repeatedly, or if your inability to control your eating is beginning to frighten you, then Overeaters Anonymous and the 12 steps as outlined in the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous may be for you. The purpose of the big book is to change your life through a 12-step process of personal transformation, which leads to a spiritual awakening and freedom from the bondage of compulsive overeating. Of all the 12 steps, which do you think is the most important? It has to be number one. Why do anything about a problem when you believe no problem exists? Identifying in and everything which follows begins here. Identifying in with the twofold nature of our disease allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, makes or breaks the recovery process. Identifying in as a real compulsive overeater and taking the first step is very serious business indeed. It is the solid foundation on which quality abstinence and quality recovery is constructed. A weak foundation equals a weak and shaky recovery process. Identification, admitting who and what we are, real compulsive overeaters, demands profound soul-searching and exhaustive mental effort to clearly see the destruction our disease has caused in our lives. Identifying in and truly admitting we are powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable, is indeed the first and most valuable step 
toward healthy recovery. Joining us today to speak on this vital topic is Julie E.B., a recovered compulsive overeater from Colorado. Julie is dedicated to our 12-step way of life, which includes helping others and carrying this message of recovery. And it's with great appreciation I welcome Julie to the line. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. This is Julie E.B. Hopefully you can hear me okay. Let's start with a prayer. God, please help us to set aside everything we think we know about ourselves, other people, the big book, and you, God, that we might have an open mind, an open heart, and a new experience of all these things. Show us the truth. Amen. Well, telling my story today, um, my experience, strength and hope, uh, comes out of a miracle that has happened in my life. And the reason I'm telling this story is summarized by the text that I'm looking at today. It's in the preface, a part of the big book I never really knew existed, the first couple pages of text in the big book page XII. I've never been that great at Roman numerals either. But in the very last paragraph, I encountered something that right away made sense for me. I later called that process identifying in, that this was something that I could see myself in, a story at first that I could not see myself in, but then that I could see myself in. The the paragraph starts all changes made over the years in the big book. AA members' fond name for this volume have the same purpose, to represent the current membership of Alcoholics Anonymous more accurately and and thereby to reach more alcoholics. And that's why I'm hopefully here today to tell you about the changes that have happened in my life to hopefully represent the membership. I am a compulsive overeater. I am in the first step every day. I am a gratefully recovered compulsive over and under eater. And I live in steps 10, 11, and 12 every day. But the goal here is to reach more people. So what I hope is that you can hear Uh, something that makes sense to you today, something that resonates with your story. Um, You know, uh, when I I found this paragraph, it was at the end of a very, very long road. At 42 years old, um, I was dying and often wanted to die. As some of you have heard on this line before, I was close to 300 pounds. I was bed bound. I had six medical specialists who has cardiologists, pulmonologists, neurologists. Uh, I had a back doctor, uh, a a doctor for my um, OBGYN surgeon, and I had a surgeon uh, for, for my GI tract as well. And uh, today, I'm 53 years old, and I am living, and I want to live. And uh, it sounds kind of dramatic, but 
this is true for me. And uh, if you had told me years ago that I would have the joy of the sunrise that I'm watching right now today, I would never, never have told you that I could live happy, joyous, and free. In fact, in my first 12-step group, I, I barely knew what I was doing. I had looked around my life, and inside there was nothing but a black hole. I understood myself as my roles, as my as spouse, as a, um, as a parent, uh, as a worker, um, but I didn't know who I was or what was there. It was like a bottomless well inside of me. And uh, I was blessed to enter a fellowship where I found a sponsor who, before she had gone to this fellowship, had found almost 15 years of abstinence in OA. I could see uh, the things that, um, that brought me to that meeting, but I really didn't see the food stuff. And so as I went to that 12-step meeting, my sponsor witnessed me uh, going on a fad diet, so-called medically um, managed diets, where I uh, dropped 100 pounds in about 20 weeks um, and uh, lost my uterus as a result uh, because a teacher thought I was the best person in the class. It's just, see, I was an anorexic. I had no idea that this problem I had with food centered in my mind. I noticed when I watched her that she ate differently, that when we ate places she asked for no oil, that she asked for um, uh, certain things, uh, that she only ate in a couple places. Um, But she watched me go up and down, um, gain back those same pounds in a couple of months. cry. She held my hand. Uh, She listened to me. Uh, She did the steps with me. Uh, But it was very odd indeed because when she invited me to an OA meeting, which would later become my home meeting, on Tuesday nights uh, here in town for her to receive her 20-year chip, I literally sat through an entire meeting with no idea that it had anything to do with me. Even sitting there, over 100 pounds overweight, it never, I couldn't hear a thing. That's what we call identifying out. It didn't, I, I, it, I didn't find myself in those stories. I wasn't in a place for whatever reason to hear um, what, what all those people were saying at that meeting. So I clapped for her, I congratulated her, but it was several more years before I was sitting in a tea shop with her at a meeting. And um, I asked her, so so what is this abstinence thing? What is this abstinence thing in uh, OA? And she began to tell me and she encouraged me uh, to, to go and to go to that meeting. And I went to that meeting. I fumbled around for a while, um, but a woman walked in, and she had something I wanted. And she called me back the very same day 
and she asked me to start with a basic abstinence, foods that I knew uh, were bad for me, and with a food plan not of my making. And the next week, we started reading this preface. As this paragraph says, if you have an eating, it says drinking problem, we hope you may pause in reading one of these personal stories. Finally, um, I had come to a pause in my life. Finally, I had slowed down and uh, became able to connect to something outside of myself. Um, now, as I've moved through over five years of abstinence, four years recovered, as I've read this over and over again with sponsees, and with folks on outreach calls, um, I've really come to believe that this little paragraph um, teaches me and reminds me of what I needed the most, which was to identify in. This is how I find myself and the power I need in the text of the big book, in the dozens of personal stories I hear on this phone line on the dozens of personal stories I hear from those I talk to on the phone, from those I work with, in the personal stories that I hear in the big book, in every word of the big book. I identify in, if I have an eating problem, I might pause and think, yes, that happened to me, the text says, or more important, yes, I felt like that, or most important, I believe this program can work for me too. I never even believed I would pause. My mind used to race. I was so sensitive. I like to say my nerves, it was like my nerves were all on the outside exposed. Um, it's as all of life was blowing me over as if I was just a victim in my life. For me, the pause here became associated was stopping to consider what something greater than me was up to, a higher power that I come to call God, that somehow in the pause, my higher power could work and open my eyes or my ears or my heart. For me, God is in the pause, not just the God I knew when I started reading this preface, but one who was so much more kinder and more compassionate and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. It was a different voice. I had driven myself for years on a lower power voice. I identified out I was different. Nobody could understand me. Nobody knew uh, what my childhood was like. Nobody knew how painful it was for me to smile and pretend everything was okay, and I didn't think anyone could know. And so in the pause, I learned to stop and be in my life as it was in that moment, as it is right now. I learned to find a voice that would lift me up and comfort me and listen to me. I was pretty good at identifying out it says here, maybe you might think that happened to me. Well, when I started to hear about this big book, I'm like, how does that have anything to do with me? 
see that's what I call identifying out. I can't find myself in the story. These men in the 30s and alcohol, how could this have anything whatsoever to do with me? Um, I could not believe it. Um, the people in, I would hear in meetings and in life at first, I just seemed so different than them and no one could understand. No one could understand. I would say over and over again, this is hard for me. This is difficult for me. I remember the first time my sponsor asked me to call, uh, consider calling some other people instead of just calling her. And I remember bawling, bawling, deep pain. I, I don't laugh because I make light of it. I said, you don't know how hard it is for me just to call you. And yet she knew. Uh, she knew I needed more, that none of us can listen to just one voice. If I listen, if I my sponsor had built for me a sponsor-dependent program only, um, listening just to one voice, when that one voice dropped out of my life, I would have had nothing. My sponsor always pointed me. That one and my sponsor in vision, they both pointed me to listen to more voices with the main purpose of trying to hear my higher power deep within me. So reading even with a sponsee yesterday, you know, um, this is why I identify out page 49. Right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it is not so. This isn't me. I'm not as bad as them. I don't need to do this absence they do. I don't need to do this step they do. I don't need to do this thing they do. It's hard for me to call. I don't need to call other people. I don't need to stop and pray. I don't need, these people need to do that. I don't need a food plan. I can make up my food day to day. I don't need to know what ingredients are. I can just figure them out, uh, just, you know, eat what everybody else is eating. I'm, I don't, I don't want to be different. And so I have that perverse streak and I did in fact laboriously, I mean, I would work so hard to get food. I would work so hard to get the effect I needed by pretending uh, to be loved by everyone and to be what they wanted me to be. But all the time I was just convincing myself that what I saw, what I felt, what I knew deep in my heart was not so. This little paragraph teaches me a way to identify in. It's amazing. I mean, I can do a whole special edition on how very disconnected and lonely I felt. Uh, and now here was an invitation to find myself in these stories, to find myself in these pages, to find myself when I listen to people who are different than me believe the exact opposite about me. So when I'm looking at these personal stories, hopefully I might pause. Hopefully you might pause and first think, yes, that happened to me. And when I went to that meeting, when I was at the right place in my life to listen, I began to hear about people who took food out of the trash. I called people and said, hey, I'm stealing $2 soup. I'm mad at my boss. I, I have $2, but I, I have, I'm so mad at him. I just, um, I could lose my job. I could 
fail to support my family because I'm stealing $2 soup. Um, I, I thought, yeah, that happened to me. I had that pain, you know, um, bottom of trade 25, I came to that point. There's no middle of the road solution. I could either go on as I was blotting out my consciousness of my intolerable situation. You know, your intolerable situation and mine might be quite different. You might look at my life that I lived and think, well, that's not so bad. I might like look at your life and think, oh, I could get through that. But that's not what this is about. For me, hearing that I was just spending my whole life blotting out my intolerable situation as best I could. And I could keep doing that. That's what the invitation I heard in the book was. I could just keep blotting and blotting and blotting like ink running all over the page, blotting out my consciousness, my awakeness, the same word we find later um, in the 11th step where we're asked to increase our awakeness to something else, to something greater than us, that this would be a healing force in my life, that instead of blotting out my awakeness to my pain, to my anger, to my fear, and also blotting out my access to my joy and my love and my ability to be close to others, you know, that happened to me. I could just, uh, I, I had an intolerable situation. I grew up <clears throat> in some very intolerable situations for me. It says, or I could speak, I could seek spiritual help. That happened to me. I ate bags after bags after bags of Oreos. I went days after days after days of not eating. I would run and exercise until I was faint. I would use diuretics. I would use every piece of this program. I gained and lost over a thousand pounds. And when I heard that other people use food the same way I did, I had that first chance to identify in. Yes, this happened to me. Then I started reading this book and I heard things that had happened to me. <clears throat> I heard <clears throat> that nothing brought ease or comfort at once, like the food. And it's a strange thing to cling to, but that is something that happened to me. That without the food, there wasn't that at once relief, ease, comfort that I was used to. Facing that now, I... I those minutes started a vicious cycle, and without those minutes, I wouldn't get what I needed at once. Sometimes it would take a while. I read that I was waking up jittery, so true for me. And at the same time, yes, that, that happened to me. I could identify in that these things, these things that these hopeless, uh, alcoholics were going through, these are the things that would happen to me, this vicious cycle. Um, people thinking, wow, she's a hopeless case. These were the things happening to me. And what's amazing is, more importantly, I could think, yes, I felt like that. You know, when I first entered this program, I was never sure what I was feeling at all. 
but when I would read words like restless, irritable, discontent, when people would cry and share their shame about getting into the food or their strong desire to be out of it and still not be out of it. I read that self-pity stretched around like quicksand. Boy, did I identify with that. That phrase, this is hard for me. Calling other people is hard for me. Not eating is hard for me. Getting up early is hard for me. Going to bed late is hard for me. I came to understand every time I was saying saying that phrase, I was living into a self-pity that stretched on and on. And like anyone else caught in quicksand, I could stop moving. But the only way out of quicksand is if someone pulls you out. And so I began to make phone calls. I didn't think I could identify in with this book. But then in Bill's story, I heard the word lonely. In Bill's story, I heard, yes, I have felt like that. That all the things that got me out of my childhood, my fierce determination, um, my, my strong will, all those things were boomeranging and cutting me to shreds. I have felt like that cut to shreds, hopeless. Reason had brought me so far. Yes, I felt like that, and I couldn't get that last little bit argumentative. Yes, I felt like that. And most of all, that I could wrest happiness and satisfaction out of life if only I managed well. The pages 61, 62, 63, these were some of the first pages to fall out of my big book because over and over again I would read how I had this script in life and I felt like nothing could follow my script. But surely if I tried hard enough, I I, I, I was the victim of the delusion that I could rest happiness and satisfaction out of life if I just managed well, if I just pushed myself harder. It's so strange to identify and say, yes, I felt like that, that I felt fear, that I felt rage, that I felt anger and resentment, that I felt guilt, the harm I was doing to other people. And I thought those were the things that terrorizing myself and making myself um, being angry at myself or other people Um, feeling bad about what I did. I thought those were the things that would make me better, that would make me good. And then I met these 12 steps. And they said these were the things that would have to go before I would have access to the power that I needed, the power of love, the power of gentleness, the power of being understood and seen and loved just the way I am as a growing unfolding child of God. I read that I could blame others and stay sore. Boy, yes, if I felt like that. So it's more importantly that I identify in. We listen and say, have I felt like that? Oh, I could blame others and stay sore, blame myself and feel remorse and stay sore. And most importantly, that's most of us, for most of us, that's as far as we ever got in a game of blame, discharging all my feelings onto my husband or my kids or someone in my job or in my life. The gun pointed back at me, discharging that blame onto me that I was a bad person, 
that I was worthless. And that's why I had an intolerable, painful situation in my life. You see, the amazing thing is that if I could, if I could, if I could uh, think, yes, that happened to me. If I could think, yes, I felt like that. Then what this little sentence at the end of this little chapter says is most important. I might start to believe. It says most important. Yes, I believe this program. <clears throat> can work for me too. Wow. (laughs) Yes, I believe this program could work for me too. So then if I could somehow identify that these things have happened to me, these things I hear other people talking about, if I could identify and see myself that I felt like that, I felt like they did, I felt the the life of living Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And the more I strive for perfection and looking good on the, in, on the outside, the more the inside was just rotting away, a ticking time bomb waiting for me to pick up and eat again. And I would eat just to remind myself of that pain, of how I felt about myself, of the reality of my intolerable situation instead of seeking spiritual help. But today, yes, I believe this program can work for me too. It has worked for me one day at a time, often not a whole day at a time, sometimes just moment by moment, step by step. If you were to tell me that I could work in a hospital helping people die six 12-hour shifts a week at the peak, and just every day see loss and grief and pain every day over and over again and not pick up and not lose my higher power and not alienate my entire family, I would have told you that could not happen to me. But because I can listen every day to a meeting that's so easy for me to access to other meetings, to people that, uh, sponsees who are struggling to, to get through these steps, to, to, to find something that works for them too, to find a power greater than them. Because of these things, I could go through all of that and still, and still believe that this can work for me too. So, Today, um, as I hear things, as I process things, I still have pain in my life. I still have difficulty in my life. I still have fear crop up and resentment crop up and guilt crop up. But I'm no longer um, in an intolerable situation. And when I am, I'm conscious of it. I don't need to blot it out. I have all of you. I have a higher power who holds me when I'm scared and comforts me when I am angry um, instead of scolding me. Um, My life has changed forever uh, because of these steps. And so I wonder, (laughs) I wonder if we might all pause in hearing 
these stories and think, yes, that happened to me. Or more importantly, I felt like that. Or most important, yes, I believe this can work for me too. There's always a temptation to say, no, no, no. What happened to me was a little different. What happened to me, you don't understand. There's always a temptation to say, well, no, I didn't feel quite like that. I felt like this or that. But when we can stop and consider, did that happen to me? Have I felt like that? Then listen to the promise. Most importantly, we can start to believe, yes, I believe this program can work for me too. (laughs) I'll tell you this. If you would tell me that I could maintain a weight loss of over 100 pounds for four years, uh, neutral with the food, um, that I could um, build a relationship with my family again, uh, that I could try to be of service uh, to people around me, uh, that I could find joy every morning and peace every evening, I would have told you you're crazy. Um, But because of this fellowship, because I just kept going in this, because I had these words and this chance to ask myself, not what doesn't fit, but where can I see myself? Where can I hear myself in these stories? My life has changed and something is working. And whatever's working is a power greater than me. So thank you for letting me share my story. And I pass. Thank you so much, Julie, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with all of us this morning. Thank you for carrying a message of hope and possibility. Yes, indeed, we can all recover. Julie's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. The share ID for this presentation this morning, 18,773. That's 18773. We will now transition to a question and answer segment with Julie. You can pose a question to Julie, questions only, by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Judy K. Judy K. Lisa B. Lisa B. Barb M. I didn't catch the first name. Barb M. Barb. Thank you, Barb. Judith S.P. Hey, Judith. Good morning. Carla C. Carla C. Anyone else want to get in this group? Rita S. Rita S. does. Okay, excellent. Let's go with this group. We have Judy K., Lisa B., Barb M., Judith S.P., Carla C., and Rita S. Let's begin with Judy K. It's 
Star one to unmute Judy to pose your question, please. Hi, this is Judy Kay, um, <laughs> recovered in North Carolina. A little trouble unmuting. Um, Leah, thank you so much for your service, and Julie, thank you so much for for today uh, today's talk. Oh my goodness! Um, identifying in, I'm identifying in as a uh, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so here's my question. My question is, how is it every day that you take that first step? How is it, is it uh, strictly by identifying in, or is there something more that you do each day that covers step one, um, or even step one, two, and three? Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for that question. Um, well, what is it I do each day um, that starts me um, starts me into this program? Every day um, I wake up, I I say that awakening prayer, um, and I uh, begin listening to the meeting, whether it's real um, live or recorded, as I stumble out of bed because I, I just, as I'm winding up for the day, um, I want to hear those stories every day. I need to to hear um, myself in these stories um, and, uh, and in a wider community. Otherwise, my world gets very much narrowed. Um, I do find that gratitude, you know, my counselor would have me listen to the meeting and pick out three gems, which the gems were um, the gems were things that I identified with. It was my first practice for that. Something I heard someone say that made sense or that I needed to hear um, or that I had a question about, but but mostly things that that I related to and three gratitudes. And I just text those to her. And that was just something extra that we did, but in gratitude, one of the things that it just reminds me, uh, it's the opposite for me of self-pity. It reminds me um, of what I do have. Um, every day I wake up powerless and life is unmanageable. And so I guess the main thing that keeps me in here um, in that step one place is that events happen. Um, you know, in, in my other program, one of my step one practices is that I would just text my sponsor, this is powerless, so they'll text me, this is unmanageable, I'm powerless over this, this is unmanageable, powerless over this. So every day I, I get up and I uh, eat my food that's uh, pretty much the same as it's been for years, just a few different meals, different times, different, um, different I don't know what you'd say, subjects, uh, different type of meat or vegetable, but really just the sameness. So when I take that uh, step and I'm I'm just eating that food that same way, that same routine, um, that's another way that I remind myself I'm powerless over this disease. Um, my life is unmanageable um, and I need to do the pieces that I can do um, to be abstinent um, to, to, um, to live this life. So I guess that's uh, 
it's really the disease um, and helping others that uh, reminds me to hear in my story and in their story how very powerless we are, that we're all the same. Um, I'm still a compulsive overeater. I still wake up that way every day. Thanks. Thank you, Judy Cape, for the question. Lisa B., your turn. Hi, this is Lisa B. Thank you for your service, both of you. Um, my question is, I've struggled. I'm recovered. I'm going through the, the 12 steps again, almost finished. But um, And I've had neutrality in the past during during my abstinence. But even though I'm following my food plan, I'm sticking to it and doing everything that I'm supposed to do, I still have... I struggle with neutrality um, recently, and my sponsor has me doing 10 steps and asking people about their neutrality and how they got there. I could relate a little bit with what you were talking about. Oh, I'm different. I'm different. I'm different. Um, because I haven't had a lot of experiences that I hear about. And I call myself a, a high bottom eater. Um, so if you if you could answer that, that would be helpful. Thank you. Yeah, that can be a painful place to be when we want to be somewhere that we're not. See, that's all part of the powerlessness. That's all part of the unmanageability. You know, even by by uh, speaking up today, by asking a question, um, you are identifying in you know, as one of us that's struggling um, with no magic answers. You know, when we think we should be somewhere that we're not, if we start with the idea of acceptance that where you are today is exactly where you're supposed to be, then we can get curious without so much uh, judgment and shame and all those pieces. Then I can get curious at least about, oh, well, what, what more do I need to be willing to do? For me, my sponsor started me with what I call basic absence. The reason I say that is not that I don't need to work the steps abstinent. It's just when I first started, I had so much junk in my life that I, um, that I had no clue about some of the other pieces that called to me um, until I detoxed from sh- things like sugar. Um, I, you know, I had no idea about some of the other things that would call to me. So my sponsor asked me to start with what she called the basic abstinence, the, the big things that I knew, and to be increasingly willing. And that's what you are by asking that question today. You are being increasingly willing. So for me, if I'm still not neutral or something gives me an effect, then I want to be increasingly willing to add a food or an ingredient or a behavior Uh, that places, the behaviors especially, you know, I have several odd things. I was just thinking, talking to a sponsee yesterday, I realized, you know, one of them that I do is no unaccompanied carbohydrates, and it's like uh, unaccompanied minors at the movies. Um, You know, I, I, if I have a carbohydrate um, as a part of a meal underneath uh, what I'm eating, it has no uh, call to me. Uh, And obviously every human needs some types of carbohydrates. But if I eat them by myself, they become a kind of a celebration. My daughter 
my daughter's like, even hearing you talk about food is creepy, mom. Um, so anyway, because because I am a true compulsive eater. Um, uh, so so anyway, I I I was having uh, a soup one day, and I realized, wow, this is really good. And as I was increasingly willing in the steps, then I, I said, hey, that has an effect. That's when. I found out I couldn't eat high-fat cheese. You know, uh, I my dietitian thought it was great that I had four to five diet cokes a day, but then as I worked these steps, I noticed I was I was I was drinking instead of eating when I'm hungry, and instead of sleeping when I was tired. So things like that, I had to become increasingly willing to notice what was giving me effect, um, because I have to look for. Uh, something greater than me. I I don't have the power uh, to change anything today. I I lack of power is my dilemma. And right now you're feeling powerless over these uh, cravings that are coming to you. Work work with people. Uh, talk to people. Listen to ideas, um, and find out um, what that is. And there are times also. You mentioned the tenth step. There are times also that there are resentments and fears and harms and uh, and and beliefs that I have, flawed ideas about God and the world, agnostic ideas um, that that are keeping me trapped um, and wanting more. So thanks for asking that question. Just by asking it, you you are on this road. So thanks. Thank you, Lisa B. Barb M, your turn. Star one to unmute. Good morning, everybody. I'm Barb M. from Washington State. Thank you, Leo, for your service. You're awesome. And it's good to hear you, Julie. I identify in thoroughly with your story. Uh, my questions are, what do you do when you pause? And you're a very busy woman. How do you find time to do service and pause? I am so happy and proud to hear your voice on the line. Um, and uh, I am, I, yeah, so for me, the pause started actually um, in my work, in my busyness. Um, I just would hear this word pause and I would take a breath usually. Um, and uh, and uh, I would try to think about um, the bigger picture. You know, one of my images when I pause is the stars in the sky, um, the infinite number of stars in the sky. A lot of times I can't see them because of light pollution or because it's daylight. But um, I, I got this image of finite self and infinite God. And whenever I'm in fear, whenever I'm struggling, everything seems so black and white. I either going to go this way or this way. And um, and when I think about those stars, I think about them like a dot to dot. Like if you start on one side of the sky, um, you could hop from star to star to star. There's an infinite number of possibilities, and I have no way of when I end. That's what's under life for me today. That's something deeper in life, more infinite than me, bigger than me. And then the second thing when I pause is I think, um, what might a kind voice? a friend say to me right now 
Um, I didn't even know how to make friends. I didn't even know myself um, well enough to really love the people around me um, until I let my higher power love me. Um, but but I, I try to think about, you know, I pause. <laughs> and then the other thing I do, I pause and think I'm not, not running the show, um, asking for the next right step or action. So those are some things I do with the pause um, to try and get out of, um, you know, reacting to life and into living life. Thanks for the great questions. Yes, thank you, Barb M. Next up, Judith S.P., star one to unmute. Hi, this is Judith S.P. in Maryland, gratefully recovered and so blessed to be in this meeting. Thank you, Leah, for all your hard work and commitment to Vision for You. And Julie, appreciate so much your uh, share and story. Um I identified in pretty much from the moment you started talking when you uh, offered the set-aside prayer. And uh, there are times for me that I get so involved in program or something I'm doing that I forgot, I forget and forgot to pray. And my question is uh, around the fact that for myself, Food has been the driver for so long on Judith's will that my will became tremendous. I knew it all, I was going to do it all, and I was going to tell you how to do it all. And now in program, I remind myself so often, I'm not running the show, thy will be done, God's will, not Judith's will. Uh, My question is, how, how, if you have an issue where the mind gets so caught up in the words, the thoughts, the actions, that uh, it's difficult to live from an open heart, an awakened heart? And I know for me the jitteriness and the enthusiasm at times creates a break between my heart-driven and mind chatter. So... Um, if you have any tips on how you move uh, through an open heart and quiet your mind, I would greatly appreciate it. And with that, I'll pass. Wow, yeah, I, I, really, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, um, yeah, I'm still... I'm still uh, called back to that place all the time. You know, uh, the brainstorm is one of my main character defects in the big book. So not for me, the grouch of the brainstorm. Um, in a paraphrase, is the dubious luxury of normal men. And for me, it's drink and drink is to die. And for me, this uh, this spinning um, uh, like a gerbil on a wheel uh, was was my whole life. Um, and I used to think if I thought about things long enough that somehow that gave me more control over the future, uh, that that made me God. Um, and the reason that I quit playing God isn't because I don't enjoy uh, thinking about myself having control. Um, it's because it doesn't work. Um, I haven't become God. I don't have the power of life and death. I don't have the power to 
make life better for my young adult children uh, to help them avoid making any mistakes that I think I made or what I think they should do. Um, so the reason I quit is because it, it doesn't work. That's one of my favorite little tiny sentences in the big book. <laughs> I quit playing God. It just doesn't work. So that's when, that's when I let go of my will is when it doesn't work. Um, you know, my main spiritual awakening was in the care and protection prayer. It says we ask for God's care and protection with complete abandon. And when I say that today, I looked up the word complete. It meant full and abandonment to give up completely having run my course. And what I find is, so I say when I say that prayer in my nightly review, I say full not of the food and not of self-will, but full of giving up having run my course completely and finding that my higher power, my God, needs me there when I'm done. So I think of it a lot like a toddler. They race around running, 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 then they just collapse in a heap or a puppy that runs around and and uh, and then just collapses at some point. You know, uh, my higher power is gracious enough to allow me to spin and spin and spin. And uh, when when I collapse, when I'm done, when I've gone as far as I can, then um, when I that's when I give up completely. That's when I have abandoned. And that's when my higher power speaks to me. Sometimes I do that by uh, when that disturbed mind, I do a 10 step. I reach out to a fellow, depending on what step that I'm in. That's a major way uh, that I interrupt that. Um, I don't expect to quiet my thoughts or have power over my thinking because my disease centers in my mind. So I start with an action. You know, in this program, we start with an action. And when I take that action to reach out and make a phone call, for example, I'm taking an action step against my disease. When I take that step to prepare an absent meal, I'm taking that action step against my disease. I would say for me, a big problem with my self-will was that just like a lot of people might try to white knuckle um, their abstinence, white knuckle putting down the food by sheer force of will, it's easy for some of us to do, for me in particular, to try the second sort of half of this program, step six and seven and following about my defects, to try and white knuckle that too, to make that a work of the will. I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to be more. So, so that's another place that I quiet my mind. Um, so, um, so sometimes that happens right away when I do 10 step four. When I reach out and other times, um, it keeps coming. Uh, it keeps coming for a while. And when my higher power uh, finds that I don't need to have that disturbance anymore, um, I feel those feelings. I'm loved through those feelings. Um, and I have this central place. The other one is one I heard on a special edition years ago. I put my hand up under my shirt, kind of holding my upper shoulder. And I say, God, I'm yours, and I trust you. And I hold myself, and I say that when I do and when I don't. And in that center place inside of me, there's just me and my uh, loving, caring higher power. And I feel safe. So those are some things I do. Thank you, Judith SP, for your question. Carla C., your turn, star one to unmute. Thank you, Judith, um, and I, everyone on the line. Thank you um, for your service. 
Um, my question is um, about uh, how you stop playing God. I, I think you might have answered that, but, um, you know, when you just feel, um, just feel crazy, you know, and nothing's working for you. I guess that's my question. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it is a hard place to be, um, and uh, so, um, I I don't stop. Again, once I think I need to stop, that that's my self will becomes involved. It's like shoving on a door, and the door is always further away. You push on a door, and you wonder why it opens. You know, if my mind is not at rest. Um, I might uh, reach out and and share with another person in outreach. I'm, I, I mean, that's the number one thing. You know, I'm a person who has to work this program uh, three to four hours a day um, to to be to appear to the world to be uh, like others are. So um, I have no special corner. Um, on anything, you know, and and uh, as someone stated earlier, you know, I have a full-time job. I have three young adult children. I have a husband. I have a mom with dementia. Um, I have sponsees and um, people and and things. Um, I have uh, a life, um, but um, when I am disturbed, then I start with the idea that um, that means I need more power, more um, of my higher powers, words for me. So I guess that's the main thing. Through the 10th step, if I'm scared, for example, um, when I say, God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what God would have me be, I found early on that I had a tendency I'm scared of being out of control. What would you have me be? Oh, uh, patient and happy and joyous and all the opposite things. No, no, God, if someone came up to me and said, I'm scared, my life is out of control, what might I say to them? I would say, you're okay. You're okay. It's all right. So um, I I listen for that voice of comfort in the voices of other people. Um, Gratitude is also as I said, a big thing for me. What can I be grateful for? Um, but I, I ha- when, I, when my mind is busy uh, trying to plot and plan, um, uh, the only time I quit playing God is when I see that when I'm willing to see that it does not work, that I don't become the God of the universe, um, that I have no power um, and uh, then then I get to the end of that, and I'm loved there, um, and then I try again the next time. So, Thank you, Carla C., for your question. Rita S., your turn to pose a question. Good morning, everyone. This is Rita S. in Florida, uh, recovered now for two months. And this is a journey that I never thought I would go on. Uh, My abstinence is clean. I am so happy and close to my higher power right now. 
and I've never worked the program harder and done better. However, my question is, I am going to Boston, where my family is. I'm in Florida for Easter, and it's an Italian family that's probably started to cook already. Uh, I, I, my sister's a pusher, food pusher. They're, you know, they just food is their life, and um, I, if me, I've given her boundaries. <laughs> I've just, I, maybe I went a little crazy. I, I told her I have plans that I will leave if this this behavior starts that I will, you know, get a bus to here and there and get to Logan Airport and go home. And she said, I promise I will do this. You know, I, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if I should even go because I, I have fear now. Uh, I just don't want to lose what God is so freely given me that I'm afraid. That's all I can say. Thank you. That's it. I just don't know what to do. To stay, go, or what I should do. Julie, star one to unmute. So my question is, how to <laughs> Thank handle? you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, what I was saying is, you know, when I when I feel something that feels so good, like the sunlight of the spirit, I want to mm-hmm. hold on to it with both hands so hard. But, of course, if you've ever tried to grab sunlight before, um, you know that you just end up with tightly closed fists. Um, and so and so that again, um, it, when we have that fear and we work through that 10 step. Um, you know, we, we, we have that chance to go to our higher power. Um, one of the things I know for me is I had a flawed idea about God, uh, that God would only work if I did the right thing and made the right decision. I believe uh, for me and thus for you that whatever decision you make, your higher power will go with you. Um, I don't think there's anybody um, who has power over your absence. For me, when I go into difficult situations, you know, I follow what the pages of the big book says. I can go anywhere if I have good reason. You know, um, if I if I am recovered, if I am neutral and I know family's going to stir it up, what can I do? How can I work with people um, to stay in a, a stronger position? And by that, I mean more connected to my higher power while I'm there. Am I making sure I'm still listening to my meetings and I'm still connecting with the people that I do for 10 steps and 11 steps that I'm taking that time. Um, and and uh, as the food comes out, I just take out, uh, if, if it's, I'm really uncertain how it's gonna go, I just have my meals packed and I either take them out at the table with everyone else or if that's too much notice, I eat before or I eat after. Um, and I just try to enjoy their company. And I, I and being present in a whole new way, I ask, how can I be helpful? How can I be of service? How can I be helpful? So um, so the resentment that a family might, might try to do this, the fear I have uh, that there's something I might lose um, is only true if this is something I accomplished. If my higher power has restored me to sanity, then I want to come to believe again in this powerless situation with my family that only my higher power 
uh, can restore me to sanity. Uh, in my other 12-step program, we have a little prayer for the second step. And the prayer is, in this moment, I come to believe that I am never alone, um, that I have a new freedom to do things in different ways. And believing is also an action. As I practice, I develop faith. So each action step you take prior to the trip, keeping doing your work 10, 11, 12, as you're on the trip, if you don't take the trip, any way that you're connecting to God, those action steps help you develop the faith that God will be with you uh, whatever way, uh, whichever way you decide. This doesn't hinge on your decision in my universe. Uh, my creator has already uh, laid before me what I need. 11th step prayer says, I pray for the next right thing and for what I need when I get there. So I don't even know the things I need when I'll get there yet. My higher, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but my higher power will, um, will give me the things I need as I take each step. So rather than thinking about weeks from now, think about the next half hour and how you can connect and find out more of what you need from God, um, the God personal to meet you, the God that speaks into your heart, what you need from your higher power to tell you, to make you feel safe right now. And just keep doing that every, every five minutes um, until you know what the next step is. Thank you. Thank you, Rita S., for your question. We have time for more questions this morning. Star one, if you'd like to give your name to pose a question, please. This is Leslie C. Leslie C. And Tamara C. Tamara C. Nancy C. Nancy C. This is Hattie. W. Patty W. Lisa L. Gotcha, Lisa. Anyone else? This is Patricia H. And Patricia H. Wonderful. I have Leslie C., Tamara C., Nancy C., Hattie W., Lisa L., and Patricia H. Thank you. Everybody, please mute, except for Leslie C. Go ahead with your question. Leslie C., your question, please. Uh, can you hear me now? I do. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Um, Julie, thank you so much. My um, question for you is, do you ever experience times now in recovery when uh, and program when you stop identifying in um, and like when you have those, those uh, strange mental blank spots where it seems like it's whatever you're telling yourself is true and maybe you, like for me, it's like I don't need program or I don't need to go to this meeting. So I'd love to hear um, if you ever experienced those strange mental blank spots because they seem like they're the truth for me and how you deal with them um, in that moment. So identifying the truth from the false and that strange mental blank spot. I'd love to hear you speak to that. That would be so helpful. 
Thanks. Uh, yes, I do. Yes, I still have uh, those times uh, when I think, wow, um, my pain is more, uh, my pain is different, um, my uh, life is different. Um, you know, I had someone on, I had someone, you know, share that first program, 12-step program. Um, I remember I was listening to this uh, meeting one morning and they said, oh yeah, this pro this 12 step program, that, that, that addiction is not even a thing. And uh, all of a sudden, yeah, the blank spot, the, the mind's like, what? And for, for me in that case is resentment, blocking the sunlight of the spirit. And, and it actually caused me to explore and it, it led me to explore more. Um, but when I, what, what helps me in those times um, honestly, is the routines uh, that I have built. You know, my sponsor helped me to build. Uh, first, I had this basic abstinence, and then I'd commit to my abstinence, and then I would commit, you know, uh, to uh, additional things as I found them giving me effect. And as things would get stirred up, uh, I might have a stray thought like, uh, oh, um, uh, you know, uh, I need to, uh, like, uh, after after I just laid in bed for a, a couple months in March of 2020, I um, thought, oh, I got to lose this weight right away. And But what, what helped me was the routines I had built. First was these little gems and gratitudes, the uh, weekly and then biweekly calls to my sponsor, uh, the action, the, 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 the preparation of the food, the decisions about what that would be um the you know so so like now you know you know my food for today uh is set it's pretty much the same food as yesterday and last sunday and um so so having those routines um have saved me in rough going you know i mean i could say that's god but again that that phrase that belief is also an action as i practice and i develop faith um, that I practice these actions, reaching out to people, for example, um, on the way home from work. So I try not to come home from work and bring the disturbance um, and the trauma uh, that I, uh, uh, secondary traumatic trauma that I experienced there to them. Um, when I first started working in the hospital, it became a joke among my kids. Oh, you work in a hospital? Because so I, it was, you know, I was not recovered yet, and I would so often bring my cares to my children instead of being a repository for their cares. And so um, I try to, I try to bring those to program before I bring them home. I have an 11-step train that I'm on. Um, I'm in the outreach um, group that I can call. Um, and, and these habits in, in times of rough going that I've structured, um, that God has structured into my life, um, these action steps of how I eat and where I eat and then how I live and how I think. So if I'm not able to get to sleep, I make the call. If I'm feeling the anger, I, I you know, uh, release the step. Um, if I've done a harm, you know, I do a 10-step uh, harm inventory instead of living with this vague sense that I did something wrong. So, so really for me in rough going, uh, it is the action steps 
uh, and routines. I used to not have any routine at all. I used to lurch from thing to thing to thing to thing. Um, and now um, that's kind of what I go back to. Um, you know, can I find three gems? Do I have three gratitudes? You know, um, thinking uh, how has this worked for me? Um, yeah, so so reaching out. I mean, I that's that's the biggest action step I take against my disease. Uh, I can't do things by myself. Uh, maybe some people can, but I really can't. So that's what I got. Thanks. Thank you, Leslie C. Tamara C. Your turn. Hi, Leila and Julie. Thank you so much for your service. Um, I could really identify, Julie, with you talking about that you understood your roles, like as a wife and a worker, but you didn't know who you were. So my question is, how did, how do the steps and learning to hear the voice of your higher power help you know yourself? Yeah, thanks for your question. You know, um, I, um, as I, I went through things I didn't think I could look at that were always under the surface as I wrote out my fourth step and as I shared it with another human being, um, as I prayed for my character defects and their opposites and would trace through my days and, and be willing to see where they popped up, I was willing to see. I remember one of my first 11-step partners um, uh, was very critical of how I did my 11th step. And I, I was like all worked up to be hurt and ashamed um, and angry. And then I, I was willing somehow to see, uh, I, I realized how horrible it felt to be criticized. And that was the first moment I thought about how my husband and kids must feel about how I hurt them. So um, for me, uh, and then I, I just started trying different things. You know, if my higher power is in charge, then I don't have to live this whole life buttoned down. I could try different things. And uh, if it went the wrong way, you know, the 11-step prayer says, well, uh, if I face indecision, uh, I relax. I take it easy. Sometimes it's absurd thought and action. And sometimes it's it's it's. Uh, intuition. Sometimes it's God's experience. You know, I really don't know when I set out, but I didn't have to stay frozen um, in time. So I think um, that's, and, and then there was this place that developed inside of me, deep within the fundamental idea of God that was just me and God and not me and God and work and what that said about me and me and God and my family and what that said about me. Um, where there was a place it was just me and God where I could feel safe and relaxed. Um, and uh, that, that too, uh, having that touchstone to go back to, um, that, that there's a me. Um, one of my meetings I go to, it's the practice to have absolutely no feedback. And, of course, with the phone meetings we're on, uh, and the discipline that's practiced there, don't have any reaction. I had no practice speaking my voice. I, I realized in that meeting where people don't laugh or smile or nod their head that I was so much always gearing every word I spoke to how it might be received. 
And so having that kind of practice, um, muting when other people are talking um, so that hopefully I listen more um, to what they're saying instead of what I want to say back, those are ways that I practice learning uh, who I am. Um, and uh, that all came out of discovering that I had a caring, you know, the third step says our, we turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand God, uh, a caring God. So thanks for the question. Thank you, Tamara C. Next up, Nancy C. Hey, good morning, Leah and Julie E.B. This is Nancy C., gratefully recovered in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And wow, what a great message today, Julie. A whole new um, light shone on the word pause. And in that vein, can you talk a little bit on how you learn to practice that pause? Um, I know that it sounds like you really do that pretty effortlessly and um, just wondered if you had any experience, strength, and hope to share on how you got to that place. Thanks. Well, for me, at this program relied on me spending four hours just communing uh, on an island with uh, my higher power. I'd flunk. Um, so for me, the pause, uh, the pause became a time I mean, something would happen. I first remembered it at work. I can remember standing outside the bathroom um, and I wanted to email my boss so my boss would understand me better. And I paused and I realized my higher power understood me. I didn't count on my boss to understand me better. Um, and I uh, would go to text uh, my son who was in college and frequently suicidal and um, and I, 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 he would say something and I thought somehow in terms of playing God, I could do, you know, minutes and hours about how, you know, I thought the right thing for him to do is, is, um, to, to push through his pain and, um, and, but to pause and realize I didn't know the right words to say, you know, there's a prayer in a sister program that says, I am not God. I do not know what's uh, best for other people most of the time. I don't know what's best for myself. Um, and when I remember this, life goes smoother. So sometimes it's just bringing a phrase. Why are there slogans? I guess for people like me, you know, to bring me back to to just um, a moment. So I pause when I listen um, to the morning meeting. I pause when I mute myself to listen to uh, a fellow um, that I'm helping or who is helping me. Um, I pause. Um, I pause in the middle of all my prayers. Uh, you know, when I pray the resentment prayer, um, when I pray the fear prayer, and I say, uh, God, please remove my fear, direct my attention to what you'd have me be. I pause as if there might be something that comes to my mind. Um, and sometimes something does. And so, uh, so it really had has to do with I, I, you know, because of one of these special editions, I have certain reminders uh, that come up on my phone every day. Uh, place the outcome in God's hands, or all is already lost. Um, concentrate on your own spiritual demonstration. 
Um, and because of the way phones work, my kids get these popping up on their phones sometimes too. But um, anyway, um, yeah, sometimes I set alarms in challenging times. Sometimes I have something written on my hand going into a difficult meeting. Um, when I was working in the hospital, um, I would, uh, each time I would um, take some hand sanitizer and go into another room, I would ask that uh, God would make me an instrument of God's peace um, from the St. Francis prayer, which is sometimes used in our program, um, that, that is meaningful to me. Um, yeah, so those are some of the things. Thank you, Nancy C. Hattie W. Hello, this is Hattie W. from Rhode Island. Uh, thank you both for your service. My question, Julie, and I would like to first say there are so many gems in what you've shared today. Thank you for your share. Um, my question is, would you please talk a little bit more about the bridge you took from what sounded like a pretty isolated space in your life to being willing and able to reach out to others? Thank you. Wow, that's a great question. You know, um, uh, God, God brought me, uh, my higher power brought me across that bridge. I mean, when I think about what it was like, you know, when I was close to 300 pounds and I was bed bound for four months, I was just screaming in pain like an animal. Um, uh, you know, um, I was sent people, you know, my family helped me more than they should have had to. Um, and, um, so, so just getting my, uh, just getting to uh, the first meeting I went to actually uh, uh, broke up because it was highly dysfunctional. It was a bunch of people trying to help each other. It was nothing but crosstalk. Um, but then, but, but there was a woman visiting there today that was in a, a different program, you know, that I also applied to that became my first sponsor. And uh, was in a in a larger meeting, and and um, so so there were people like that, and um, the way the way was was um, to take the action. Um, to 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 I came to believe, I came to believe that putting the food down would give me freedom. But I also came to believe that the biggest action step I could take in my life against my disease, against my isolation was was to pick up the phone whether i wanted to or not you know i have three kids and and uh, they're in college or graduated now but uh i never wanted to change their diaper not a single day <laughs> did i ever enjoy it and yet i did it and so i came to understand that to be something that i did even if i didn't want to do it and the more i would say to myself what i now consider self-pity statements don't Try not to ever declare someone else's in self-pity. It doesn't go well. But, um, but what I see as self-pity is anytime I say, oh, that's so hard for me. That's so difficult for me. Whenever I found, again, I found this space by, by starting with the action. Whenever I do those things that were hardest for me, um, that is when. Um, that was when I would get the most payoff. And as I would get the most payoff, as I'd be graded by kindness, I remember I called all worked up about what some guy did to me at work, and um, I called uh, I called uh, 
someone in this program, and she said, well, what if God wanted your day to go exactly like it did? And I had no words. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. I never considered. You know, I, I struggled against uh, a pretty abusive boss for almost a year, uh, I guess more than a year. Um, and, uh, and I, I mean, people got sick of my 10 steps, uh, friends got sick of me. Um, I, I try, I just kept trying. I, I, even with all the program, you know, still powerless, still unmanageable. And, um, but one day I was willing to see reality, to accept reality that I could not work for someone who didn't give me any uh, validation or encouragement that I, though, though I could do 10 steps and be at peace for a while. And though I no longer live only for external validation, that just wasn't good for me. And then at that moment, a whole pathway became clear to the job that I'm at now. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that works for me. Thank you. Thank you. And our final question this morning will come from Lisa L. Lisa L., please post Hi. your question. Good morning. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Lisa L. from Virginia. And I have a question for Julie or anybody, or either one of you. Um, I recently lost my husband um, of uh, 36 years, and I'll give away credit for me even having that quality of life with him for so long. And now I'm out and about more. And people are always saying, let's go out to lunch. Let's go out to lunch. And I have decided for myself that I'm on a specific uh, journey for my to, to maintain health. And that requires certain foods and just a, a way of life that I do my own cooking and my own foods, and it's hard to get it in restaurants. And besides, I just don't want to spend all the money that it requires to at restaurants. And so I'll, I'll kindly say, you know, if you don't mind, I'll be glad to go to coffee with you, or you know, maybe we could each bring our lunch and you know, in the warm weather, you know, eat in the park or something. And invariably, the comments back are, "Oh no, I." I want to eat at such and such restaurant or this. And so it, I just get so, I get so upset with the, the repetitive uh, feedback that what I'm looking for is um, community and, and, you know, relationships. And they are looking for a place to eat. And I don't know how to overcome the, uh, this on a you know continual basis once in a while people will give in and and it's not very uh, harmonious not Let me very take your question please in the interest of time thank you okay so could you give me feedback on what you would say to do thank you very much um well you know someone asked me before about the uh, you know, not being a lonely place, and grief is a lonely place. And and uh, what what step are you what step are you in? 
third and going toward the fourth step. Yeah, so, you know, that, that makes a big difference, too. I think for me, um, I would, I would uh, say to people at, at that point, I would say, hey, I can't eat out. Um, you know, I have, you know, and, and, and it is tiring and it is hard, um, but to speak the truth about myself is a way that I'm turning my will and my life over to the care of God, that God is, is going to my higher power needs to give me the companionship I need um, without the uh, without the substances I don't need. And especially when I'm in a vulnerable situation um, emotionally and, uh, and for that to be enough, you know, just to accept for me the reality that this is, this is how people act, um, to try to see them with tolerance, pity, and patience, you know, to put them down in my four-step. Put it down in your four-step every other day, every time it happens. You don't have to just put big things in your four-step. It's very important. You, if you have access to the four-step, I find that I can move the most on the littlest thing and, and, and try to hear them hear then, so God, what if I have tolerance, pity, and patience, like I cheerfully grant a sick friend, you know, when, when I'm offended, uh, though I do not like the symptoms, so you don't like the symptoms or how they offend me, those are words that are near the resentment prayer in the book book, so I say, help me accept the reality, this is how people are, and I have a kind of an isolation right now that's deeply painful, so um, how could I be helpful to them? How are they spiritually sick like me? Have I done this to other people? Do I expect other people to be where I am? Um, that's, that's where the freedom and the turnaround comes for me when I realize I've tried to force my, my agenda. When I was an eater, I used to do that to people all the time, all the time. So um, I'm spiritually sick just like them. How can I be useful? God save me from this anger, from worry, remorse, and morbid reflection about it that limits my usefulness to others. So just keep working those steps. Keep being in the step that you're in, and and um, and and uh, and that's that's they're giving you. <laughs> I had a sponsor. She used to say, she used to say, "Oh, what a wonderful opportunity you have." And when we're in these very painful moments, it doesn't really feel like an opportunity, but it came to be kind of a joke between us that this is an opportunity for me to be closer to the higher power who provides me with my only true companionship, my only true safe connection um, that I need. So that's what I got. Thank you, Lisa L. and all those who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you so much, Julie, for giving so much of yourself. Quite a... Layla, you're muted. can't hear you, Leah. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much, Julie, for your loving service this morning. Such a rich and profound presentation. 
a message of depth and weight. And uh, we appreciate all your loving service to us today. The share ID for Julie's presentation, 18,773. That's 18773. Thank you to all who posed questions this morning, of course. And we're going to close from page 164. It's found in a chapter entitled, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.